Being a kingdom of heaven parent can be incredibly rewarding, but it also can be extremely difficult, particularly in today's escalated pagan culture. On today's Keeping It Real, Tanya Dunnett is back from her sabbatical as she just recently became a new mom. Tanya will discuss the ebb and flow, adjustments that have needed to be made, and how a parent is called to be Christ-centered in raising a child. Many of us know the song, Hush, little baby, don't say a word, Papa's gonna buy you a mockingbird. Or I like Toby Mac's lyrics, Hush, little baby, don't you cry, Daddy's gonna sing you a lullaby, Everything's gonna be all right, The Lord's gonna answer your prayer tonight. But this episode will be more than song lyrics and certainly more than the elementary parental jargon that flies around in so many venues it does today. So if you're a parent that feels like all is lost, this episode's for you. Or if you're a parent feeling feeling like you've got it all together, but in your gut you know you don't, this episode is for you too. Oh, what to do when that newborn won't stop crying? Well, I encourage you to listen on in this edition of Keeping It Real entitled Hush Little Baby. Welcome to the Keeping It Real podcast. Only tired of fake stuff? Shouldn't we turn down a stale brand of living? It's time to open our hearts to Christ. It's time to keep it real. Here's your host, Ollie Gee. All right, and we're back for another episode of Keeping It Real. And this has been a, a pretty long-awaited time to have Mrs. Tanya Dunnett back on Keeping It Real podcast. Um, she's a photographer and social media manager for the KIR ministry and she took a sabbatical, and we didn't really release uh, too much information as to totally why she was taking this, but um, now it's been made pretty public that she's a new mommy. So <laughs> that was a much-deserved time off. Little little baby D. Mom and dad are learning how to figure out uh, parenthood and sleep schedule and all those fun Fun new elements of being new parents. So the, it's... the joys of new parenthood. Yes. <laughs> and I remember those quite well, even though those were a number of years ago for me. Um, it was like they just happened last week. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> those, Time those, flies. Things, those things do not escape you anytime too quickly. Mm-hmm. So I've entitled the show Hush Little Baby. We, we <laughs> hear that very familiar song that's sung to new so many newborns. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a hush little baby don't say a word ba- papa's gonna I'm buy, gonna you, a buy you a mockingbird right so yep. i know there's a mockingbird in there and we're gonna you know get into some of the joys of this incredible thing known as parenthood or new parenthood but also uh we're gonna stick true to the keeping it real way of doing things and getting into some of the where the rubber meets the road kind of issues as mm-hmm. far as fresh parenthood is concerned again something or we touch on things here in this podcast that dare i say by and large most christians don't dare get anywhere near to so mm-hmm. you know there'll be uh, opportunities for you to be open and transparent uh in your experience very new and but yet very raw and real experiences yeah. and hopefully um those uh, types of things will be a blessing to the listening audience. So we'll start off with what's been the greatest adjustment? And I know there's got to be a ton of them, right? This isn't going to be a very easy question to answer, but what has been the greatest adjustment for you as a new mom? I was going to say, you're asking me to only list one. Yeah. Um, 
Oh my. Yeah, welcome back to keeping it real. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, oh, I think really it it's just been realizing that just our lives in general have been up there's been an upheaval in in the best of ways, but just nothing nothing looks the same. You, you know, whether it's a uh, you know, broken sleep schedule, whether it's you know, a social schedule, whether it's, you know, uh, when to make phone calls to my family, oh, can't do it because baby's sleeping. You know, we have to wait until baby's awake. You know, everybody wants to FaceTime and chat and, uh, and just, just the mental and emotional heightened awareness now that we have this very precious life that we are responsible for. And we live in such a world that just you know, there's so much noise going on on the outside that you, you had to kind of figure out, um, you know, which voices you're really listening to. So it, it has been just a complete disruption of our, our typical life and schedule. And uh, we're learning how to navigate that as, as graciously and gracefully as possible. And some days we do it really well. And other days, uh, you know, we, we look at each other, my husband and I look at each other and we're like, oh, hey, we survived today. And then, <laughs> then we go for tomorrow and do it again. <laughs> Sounds like the greatest challenge is for you is it deals with an element of time. Um, mm. And that I think probably hits home for a lot of folks who, of course, have been parents or are parents. Uh, they can recollect uh, to the days like I can to where, uh, you know, everything becomes topsy-turvy. Whatever seemed normal, whatever seemed, you know, steady freddy mm -hmm. that no longer was the case like everything it, it was like you have a bunch of perfectly needed folded clothes and then somebody comes along and just throws them across the room yeah. uh, that, that's kind of what you're describing and what you're describing is normal um but i want to also caution the listening audience that while this sounds like a very normalized uh edition of the podcast and while it seems elementary, we're going to be getting into some things um, based off of uh, our prior discussions in the line of questioning here. Some of this stuff really hits home uh, for folks because, listen, truth is millions of babies are born every day, right? And out of those millions of babies there and millions of parents, there is probably to one degree or another a variance of a million different ways on how this child's going to be raised, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to get more of your perspective as a kingdom woman and as uh, someone who fears the Lord and is totally sold out to Jesus Christ, and you certainly desire this for your newborn child, we're going to get into some of those uh, nuts and bolts, uh, if you will, because I think that those are going to be some very valuable principles uh, for mm -hmm. those that tune into this. Can you describe the great anticipation that you've had as a born-again Christian woman prior to the birth of your child or going into the weeks and days leading up to the birth? I, I remember the day that I, I first found out that I was pregnant and just kind of looking at the test and going, oh my gosh, this is real. Hmm. And and just the flood of emotions that you know just kind of washed over me. And I mean, I, I think the deepest emotion that I felt other than, other than shock and being like, oh my gosh, it's, it's really happened. <laughs> you know, we trying for a while and we weren't sure if it was going to um, happen for us. And, and, it, you know, it was hard seeing 
you know, other friends and, and family members, you know, get pregnant easily and, and, and wondering, you know, Lord, you placed it on my heart to be a mom. Is this going to be, am I going to be a mom biologically? Do we look at adoption? You know, what, what does that look like? So, uh, and I think that the deepest emotion I felt was love immediately. Um, I fell in love with, with my baby and I didn't know anything about the baby. Didn't just that, you know, I was carrying a life and, and then, and then the immediate, uh, weight of responsibility and protectiveness that I felt over this little life as well. And, and realizing what an immense privilege and yet responsibility that I have and have been given as a parent, as a future mom, and particularly that as a, as you said, like a kingdom woman, as a, as a woman who fears the Lord and wants to approach parenting from a biblical perspective and, and just realizing as well, like I just previously said, the world that we live in is so dark and there's so much going against the traditional family, so much going against the, the, you know, the biblical family, so much going against our children in general, and just realizing, um, you know, it, it's, you know, we're growing into a battlefield as a parent. Yeah. Um, so just really daily praying, you know, Lord, I, you know, I can't do this on my own. This is not within my own strength. And, and just every day, my husband and I prayed over the life of our child, over us as parents, over, you know, the Lord's strength and the Lord's protection and the Lord's guidance all the way up to the day that our, that our little one was born. Um, and even more so now that, you know, baby D is here and, you know, we have to make decisions, you know, about health and safety and, um, you know, traveling and, and what that all looks like, even, you know, it seems like little inconsequential things, but it, it's, it's a big deal. And so we have to, and we have to look at it from a God honoring perspective. And, and, and when we don't know the answer, uh, we, we pray about it and, and seek the Lord's will and go from there. Okay. So this is a two-part question. That was the first part. <laughs> and um, I kind of want to jump in here in between this two-part question Mm-hmm. entity is I'm going to uh, mention Psalm 139 verse 14, which says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Mm-hmm. So I plug that verse in now because not only do I believe that that is a, a centerpiece to just this whole episode of the podcast, but it also encapsulated real well uh, what you were just describing in your approach to prior to baby D being born. Mm -hmm. And again, we're mentioning uh, baby D just uh, in that context, because to out of respect uh, for you and your husband, you've made it very clear. You don't want to reveal the age or the gender or identity of the baby just yet. And certainly Mm -hmm. we want to be respectful of that. um, As we mentioned from uh, the jump uh, on this episode of the podcast. Now, the second part of this two-part question, Mm-hmm. Can you describe the great anticipation you currently have as a born again Christian woman in watching how little baby D is growing up? Mm, yeah, I we both have hopes and dreams and and aspirations for our child, and we are every day we are just amazed at the things. Um, like the learning that is happening and the growing that is happening. And it happens daily, just the amount of changes that are occurring. It's, you know, 
one day is not the same to the next. And it's really neat just to see um, just the intricacies and the intelligent design um, of the human body and the brain and language and facial reactions and laughter and, and all those little things that I think we take for granted um, because we don't remember the development of those things. But as parents, we get to see it blossom from that, you know, from the seedling and, and into this beautiful, beautiful thing and seeing um, personalities like, oh, you know, baby D is a lot like daddy in this way, but baby D is also a lot like mommy in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> so it's it's kind of cool to just and imagine like, oh, you know, I wonder, I wonder what uh, they'll be like uh, five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you know, will this, will the talents be musical? Will they be sports related? You know, you know, what, what does the Lord have really planned? And um, to kind of play off of your, your uh, Bible reference, I also looked up a few myself. And um, the one that I also really like is Psalm 127.3, which says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord and the fruit of the womb of reward. And it's, that's just a, that's just a reminder to me that this is truly a gift um, not to be taken lightly and not to be squandered and to steward well. And it's not about me, but about, you know, the Lord and his plan for this life. And I'm just here as the tool to guide that along. So, and it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, what will this baby look like in five, 10, 15 years from now as uh, the listening audience that listens regularly by now knows that I am the proud father of a teenage daughter and turning 14 very shortly it was in a blink of an eye right yeah and um it's just funny you know because it kind of comes full circle when you mention oh i wonder what this child's gonna be like well it'll be here before you know it and then you'll be like oh yeah (laughs) remember when i was wondering and now here it is and oh boy you know yes that that child will put you to the test a little bit i mean a lot of things now you get you see oh that looks so cute and that's adorable and then they grow up to be teenagers not that they're not cute or adorable anymore but then they really in other areas they really test your patience (laughs) (laughs) yeah wait till those days come all right so Uh, don't don't rush it yet i'm just enjoying i'm enjoying day by day as well as you should as well as you should (laughs) Now, how do you and John, John being your husband, right? How do you guys work together as mom and dad for your new child? And more importantly, what steps have you taken together in seeking out God's divine direction and handling this new parenthood experience? We have come from this as a partnership and understanding that neither one of us can do this alone. And I've often said to friends of mine, I don't know how single parents do the newborn infant life. I, I don't know how it's done. And I have e- immense respect for those that do and survive through it and their kids, you know, grow up to be amazing human beings. And, you know, you have a single mom who's worked three jobs and still come home and been there for her children and put them to bed and done their homework. And because there are some days that I I've been on the verge of, you know, breakdowns because I'm exhausted and frustrated and and feeling, um, 
you know, not really prepared for this. Some days I'm wondering, Lord, am I really, am I really, you know, competent enough to do this? Some days I, some days that question runs through my head, obviously, uh, you know, I'm overjoyed that I have the opportunity and the privilege to do this, but it doesn't mean that sometimes those doubts uh, don't creep in. Uh, so, you know, we were there for each other in the physical sense of like, you know, you go to sleep and I'll, and I'll stay up. I'll do the feedings, I'll do the diaper changes, and you get like four or five hours of uninterrupted sleep. Um, and, or, you know, I'm going to go for a walk and take the baby with me. You, you know, do what you need to do, go get a shower, you know, catch up on some laundry or, or whatever. Um, so we, we meet each other in the middle and work on, on striking a balance, I guess is really what it is. Be, and also not forgetting to see each other as well in this process, you know, it's so easy to all of a sudden be consumed with the title and the job of parenting and being a job of mom and dad. But we also want to remember that we are husband and wife and we are um, partners in this life and we are each other's best friends. And we're, you know, so just striking that balance between the change of the, of life that we've now gone through while still remembering who we are on a human aspect, because sometimes that can get lost, uh, particularly when you're sleep deprived and emotional and all these kinds of things that happen with new parenthood. Um, and we, we pray every night um, together. We pray over our child before we, you know, complete the bedtime routine and when we don't know the answers to things, which is pretty obvious since we're brand new at this, and this is the first time for both of us, uh, we seek out godly counsel. So whether or not it's friends, um, you know, who have already done this a few times, whether, um, you know, reaching out to um, my in-laws or John's parents, or even reaching out to my parents and just saying, you know, what, what would you you know, what are your thoughts on this? Or can you pray for us? We're really struggling for this. Or can you pray for a better night's sleep or um, pray for us to like know how to approach this issue, whatever it might be. Uh, so really just kind of pulling together um, and surrounding ourselves with, with a strong circle of people who um, are also God-fearing, uh, God godly people who will lift us up, hold us accountable, uh, pray for us, intercede for us, but also step in and say, hey, let, let us just come and, you know, take care of the baby and you guys go do what you need to do. So we kind of have our own village as well, um, which has been really nice because I don't think we'd be able to do it, <laughs> even the two of us together without, uh, you know, drawing on the help of others for sure. Okay. So you, I would like to just kind of uh, squeeze the pressure point of a couple of things that you emphasize there. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll take the latter part first. What, one of the things you're stressing is community. Uh, mm. something that is incredibly emphasized in the scriptures. Um, when mm. the believers met together, they were, they had each other's back. They sold their possessions to give to the poor or those that were more poor in their community. They ate together. They fellowshiped together. They basically looked and viewed at each, viewed each other as family. Even mm -hmm. though they weren't literal blood relatives, they viewed each other as family. So the fact that you and John are both seeking out prayer support, counsel, help, things of that nature is kind of the way how the body of Christ should operate. And a lot of times I think Christians are too proud to mm. ask for those things, or they are too uh, programmed 
and in asking for those things, mm-hmm. but just being real again, yeah. sticking true to the keeping it real way that we have about uh, ourselves here in this ministry and on this podcast. I think in some ways too, like the current church culture um, makes you feel like, you know, motherhood should be something that everybody experiences or parenthood even. Um, and there's such a pressure to, um, you know, be a mom or be a dad and, and to do it flawlessly. And I have spoken to, I've, I've spoken to several um, Christian families, particularly those who have done like fostering or even adoption. And this is something I'm obviously passionate about being adopted myself and feeling like they can't be honest about their struggles in parenthood because they feel like they're going to be judged. Oh, well, you're just not, you just don't have strong enough faith or you're just not seeking God, uh, you know, enough, or, you know, you're not praying hard enough. And instead of the church coming around these families and saying, you know, what can I do for you? Can we pray for you? Can we, can we get a meal train ready? Can we do, you know, whatever uh, acts of service that would be helpful? Uh, I've had families that have told me, I feel like I'm battling this alone. Um, so whether or not you're a new mom or whether or not you're, uh, you know, a six time foster parent, uh, there, there are people who feel like the church has these unrealistic expectations. And so, yeah, like you said, I'm not sure that it's a matter of people being too proud, but more or less fearful of being judged and criticized for not having it, not having it all right or all together immediately. Right. And and, and (laughs) And so we're left to be kind of isolated. Pride is just one element of it. Really, it's just an overall disconnection and um, a disconnection to the reality of the, the the trials, the hardships, as well as the successes and the joys that come with the territory, such as new parenthood. But it's mm-hmm. not just parenthood. It is like that with anything. And that's why we cover those things here on yeah, Keep Real. Absolutely. As I mentioned from close to the beginning of this episode of the podcast, as I've mentioned on a number of other times before, is we delve into things here that most people just don't. They don't mm-hmm. want to get anywhere near. They don't want to touch um, the other thing that I'll just, again, when, when I talked about squeezing the pressure, pressure point real quickly, mm-hmm. you emphasize something also that I believe to be very critical, and that is how you and your husband look to do this thing together because you are in this thing known as a one flesh relationship and mm-hmm. marriage, and each of you are looking to complement one another, not yeah. complete each other because you guys would be button heads constantly, yeah. but <laughs> and I don't mean just you and John, I'm talking about anybody, right? Yeah. You and John are looking to complement one another mm-hmm. in the parental duties and making sure that baby D has everything that baby D needs. Mm-hmm. So, um, baby D's chances are, even in the very young age, right, there is this perception from this newborn that you have that, oh, mom and dad, even though you guys will be probably pretty quick to admit that you guys don't really have it all together. <laughs> no. Baby D thinks you guys have it together because there is this complementary harmony. There's mm-hmm. this complementary rhythm that's going on in your the way you're handling your parental duties, which I think is just great. Oh, and again, you. is a picture of, I think, the way how uh, Mary and Joseph Mm-hmm. raised Jesus. Okay. Yeah. And that was the prior episode uh, here. I encourage people to greatly tune into that because if there was ever a model of incredible parenting in action, 
Mm-hmm. It was Mary and Joseph before birth, yeah, as Jesus was being born, and post-birth. Yeah. You saw two human beings who happened to be mom and dad of Jesus that were completely selfless, that totally crucified self, but yet complemented one another and looked out for this child in every way possible, the way how they were divinely led to do so. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously there's an added element being that it was Jesus, the son of God, yeah. <laughs> but still having said that, they took their responsibility, but not just their responsibility dutifully, they were so driven by love and that bleeds from the pages, those early pages of the gospels. Absolutely. So, what is your greatest now delving deeper, right? And now we're going to kind of really get into some stuff, okay? <laughs> uh, give you a chance to be transparent all the more here. What is your greatest fear as a mom for your child growing up in the foreseeable future in this growing pagan culture that you referenced earlier, mm-hmm. in this growing p- pagan culture that we happen to find ourselves in? Oh, that is such a multifaceted question. So I'll break that up just a little bit. Uh, for me, initially, when I found out that I was pregnant, for, I immediately felt a responsibility to break the chain of doubt and fear and questions that I had as a, as a young girl growing up, um, being someone who was adopted, but prior to, you know, moving to the U S uh, you know, living in an orphanage and experiencing, um, abuse and, and questioning my value and my worth, knowing that I had been abandoned by my own mother. I want to make sure that my child never has to question or feel that from me. And that is something that I, I mean, I, there were days that I just wept. Oh, over the thought of ever hurting my child in a way that would make them question, you know, does mom love me? Right. Does mom, does mom value me? You know, what is my worth? And I just, so for me, that was, that was a, a deep responsibility that I felt for myself to make sure. Now, am I going to fail my child? Am I going to mess up? Am I going to say things that I shouldn't in anger and frustration and exhaustion? Absolutely. There have already been moments at three o'clock in the morning when- <laughs> you know, baby screaming. And I'm like, what do you want? Stop yeah. crying. Please yeah. just go to sleep. And I, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated. And then I feel terrible about it. And I have to apologize later. Now, baby D doesn't know and doesn't hold a grudge at this age. But, you know, I have even gotten into the, the intentional practice of, of apologizing and admitting my, my wrongs, even to my infant child and saying, you know, mommy is sorry. I was frustrated and tired and it doesn't make it right. And I'm sorry, um, please forgive me. And just making a habit of being humble and, and admitting when I'm wrong, because that is something that I want to uh, model and practice for my child growing up, particularly because we live in a world, like you said, growing increasingly pagan and dark world where pride and the inability to admit one's mistakes is Mm. definitely a dying dying thing um you know we want to model um open communication transparency healthy emotional uh intelligence 
approaching all that we do from a biblical perspective, um, seeking out the Lord. And, and so we're starting early. And I, I just want to make sure from day one that we are um, equipping ourselves to equip our child to walk in this world um, and not be overwhelmed and overcome by the things that they're going to face inevitably, but be able to draw on the strength and know that, you know, the Lord, the Lord is my strength and my shield and my protector. And they know that from day one growing up within the walls of our house so that they, you know, when they exit the walls of our house, you know, that doesn't change. And it's great that you are quick to um, acknowledge your faults now, because if you don't later, your child's going to let you know what they are. (laughs) Again, my daughter, she comes out, she, 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 she's got this like invisible list, you know, that's in the air of uh, all the ways that I messed up. Yeah. Oh, no. it, it can be pretty humbling, let me tell you. <laughs> but um, sure <laughs> that's a little bit of a lighthearted note. But on getting back onto the serious note, more mm-hmm. more serious note that you were on, um, I appreciate that word because that is gone virtually extinct in our Christian culture now. Because, um, and not just in our Christian culture, but just in our culture at large, right? Because every parent thinks they're the best parent in the world, right? Mm-hmm proud parent of so-and-so honor student, like, I care how smart your kid is, you know, um, <laughs> you know, all, all the parents are just so enamored with how many plaques or trophies or awards their kid is getting and not to dismiss those things. Those things right. are nice. Every right. parent should want those. That, that There's nothing wrong with those things, but to to, to flaunt that, to be all about that, to have one's identity in that is mm-hmm. what makes that uh, wicked and sin-filled. So I appreciate you coming at it from the humble, the lowly, the contrite perspective, because right. that is exactly the emphasis that Jesus had in his ministry and certainly uh, the emphasis that is there in parental principles that, uh, mm-hmm. of scripture that we find in the Bible. Got one and while I want, you know, while I hope my child is one that, you know, does well academically and is involved in different things and, you know, great. That's awesome. You know, I'll be there tre- cheering on for all those accolades, but I'm more concerned about is my child kind and empathetic? Is my child someone who is representing Christ every time they meet people? Uh, that's what I'm more concerned about and more the eternity perspective versus the, you know, the temporal that, you know, things like awards and honors and things really are as, as lovely as they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Looking for more of an an eternal. I got one more question for you, Tanya, and then we'll have to, we're about out of time on this one. Um, and of course you'll be back in the regular rotation now that you're back in the swing of things. Of keeping real. In fact, you couldn't even stay away for six months. You had to jump in uh, early, which I was totally, of course, delighted with. Uh, what are your intentions in having a Christ-centered environment and in promoting a continual instinct for the cross for your child? Because it's my responsibility to raise up my child in a way that is God honoring and, and trusting that, you know, children are, are only lent to us for a short time. And that's a responsibility that we have to raise up the child in the way that they will go. 
so mm. that then, you know, when they are older, they will not depart from it. Love um, that verse. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's another, you know, and it's funny, you know, prior to, prior to parenthood, I would read over those verses and be like, Oh, great. That's nice. That's sweet. You know, great, great, um, you know, things to think of. And then now as a parent, I'm like, Oh, um, they, they're kind of like my mantras and mottos for life now and realizing, um, the significance of those words and, um, just how much, um, emphasis was placed on, the godly home and the the foundational work that needs to be done within the home because the world in itself is going to do everything it can to tear that up satan doesn't like the the nuclear family satan doesn't want a biblical um household he's going to do everything he can to undermine that and and children are so precious in the, in the Lord's eyes. And so uh, they're also like the greatest thing that I feel like is being attacked in this current culture. Um, you know, we're seeing things in our elementary schools, we're seeing things at our university level, it's it's everywhere. And so we as parents need to be the the warriors and the ones going ahead and, and you know, fighting those battles and, and in preparation for, you know, what our children are going to have to deal with. And, and so if we don't set that foundation, uh, you know, when they leave our homes, we haven't done a very good job in preparation. Um, and, you know, and that's our responsibility, you know, people can say, well, kids will be kids, but you know, I, I often look to parents for issues when I see like behavioral issues or mental health or things like that. Where where do they learn those skills? Where do they, where do they not learn bit, those skills? Which of course you've seen quite a bit as a speech pathologist teacher, correct? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, particularly within my within my yeah in a student body, and it's easy to want to blame the child because oh you know it's what you see immediately and or they should know better, and then and then you look at what's happening within the home and you're going oh okay that's why, mm-hmm. and so yes I take it as a very big responsibility and a privilege, but something that I don't shirk, you know, lightly in making sure that what, what is my job and what is my place in, in prepping my child? Well, and that's well put Tanya. Appreciate your time coming back on the keeping it real podcast today. Um, I wish we had, um, you know, three hours to riff on this, <laughs> but uh, fortunately we're out of time, but definitely we'll look to have you on again in the regular lineup. And I want to encourage folks with the things that Tanya has been uh, talking about are very possible for any and every parent. These aren't far-fetched things, even though it's a pagan culture we're living in. Uh, All things are possible through Christ.